welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode, number 375, I am welcoming to the show, Mary Jo Sharp. Uh, it's really important that the child sees the parent engaging in the you know education of their own beliefs and their faith. I, I think that's one of like your own, I would say your own transforming self is like the best thing that you can bring to your kids. Uh, Cause that, that'll speak volumes to them about how you value Christian education, the life of the mind, exploring the hard questions. And they'll see that it is safe to bring these to you, that you're the kind of person that they should come to with their questions. And that's really what we want. Mary Jo is a former atheist who came to faith and has become an apologist who works at a university in Houston. She is going to talk more about her journey in this episode, but she is a part of a project I wanted to connect you with called Dark Room. You can find it at darkroomfaith.com. It's a great option if you are a youth leader, if you want to get a group of teens together, or maybe even watch it yourself to help you as you parent your young adults and teens, or even just if you have young kids. These are great videos navigating hard questions that our kids are asking as they intersect with culture at younger and younger ages, and just the normal development of being curious and owning their faith. And so we're going to have this conversation definitely prompted by a lot of you who reached out who are in that place where your teens or young adults are struggling. I want you to know you are not alone. I also learned about another option for you, um, something to watch that I'll tell you about at the end of this episode, but let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Mary Jo, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. Well, I told you I've asked the moms, the listeners, what they want to talk about this fall. And over and over and over, I was getting teens, teens, I need help with teens. And then even more specifically, teens and faith, young adults, as they head off into college or as they're, you know, running their own lives, how they're walking away from the faith. And how do we as parents, whether our kids are still young and in the home and we feel like we have control over everything, which spoiler alert, you don't, or we are in that teen and they're starting to have doubts and questions and live their lives in ways that are different than we wanted or expected. We thought we'd have this conversation and I invited you on specifically. Um, you can introduce yourself a little bit and your family, but you are part of a team that created great content for teens and apologetics, and it's called dark room. And we'll point to that in the show notes and get to that more in a second, but let's give your backstory. Why are you passionate about this topic and your own family? Can you tell us all that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, I'll say, hello, I'm an assistant professor of apologetics at Houston Baptist university. And, uh, so getting to that point in my life, I actually grew up, uh, atheist. I grew up without church in my life. Um, and I'm from, the Portland, Oregon area. So I didn't grow up in a, like I would say, with a culture of Christianity. And I say that because I spent a lot of time in the South where there was more so a culture of Christianity. That's why they call it the Bible Belt. But anyway, it's true. So, it's yeah, true. I am here. I, I get it. Yeah. Well, religion in my part during my time here in my, like in my childhood, religion was, um, 
not spoken about as often. It was more private, you know, what's good for you is good for you. And what's good for me is good for me. So I just didn't get the exposure to Christianity. And I, I didn't know what it was for. And I was a little skeptical that maybe it was a crutch. Um, I was a little skeptical when I saw things like Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, the scandal. Um, and like, maybe they're just taking our money and they don't, you know, it's all a grift or something, <laughs> you know, like I, I didn't know what to think of church. So um, one thing I did have was a very um, rich background in science and music and the arts. My parents exposed me to a lot of great stuff. And my dad just wondered at the universe in which we lived and constantly was reading books about the cosmos and taking me out to see the celestial events and taking us camping and teaching us to love nature and music. He was a musician. So uh, I, as I got older, I began to have questions about what all this beauty and goodness and truth and design I saw in the universe. What is this all for? Does my life have meaning and purpose? And where does that come from? Where does this like innate and very strong sense of right and wrong and of justice come from, you know, mm -hmm. and about that time when I'm getting old enough to really wrestle with these in my late teenage years, my high school band director was a Christian who hadn't shared his faith with anyone before, uh, specifically not with a public school student. <laughs> and he took a risk. He said it was a real risk. He was really grappling with whether or not to talk to me because he, he knew he could lose his job. And uh, he shared his faith with me and gave me a Bible my senior year of high school. Said, when you go off to college, you're going to have hard questions. I hope you'll turn to this. So I actually really respected him. So I have a background in public school music education. I've taught band. And so that's how much I respected him. I wanted to teach as well. And I started reading what he gave me, the Bible, and it started to open my eyes to, ah, there's a God behind all this design. There's a God behind the meaning that I'm you know, feeling in my life. There's a God behind goodness and truth and beauty and so when I went off to college, I actually did the opposite of what we're all afraid of. <laughs> I went looking for answers to faith and looking for what this was all about. I actually started attending churches on my own. And it was during my college years that I came to belief in Jesus. Now, after getting into the church, um, I always say like, that's when I found Christians and <laughs> they weren't always so great. <laughs> There's a lot of... Uh, really poor choices and behavioral patterns um, of vice and things that I saw that were absolutely antithetical to what I was reading in the Bible. And it really threw me because that's not what I expected to find. I sort of naively came into fellowship with Christians, expecting to find them all committed to transforming their lives to Christlikeness. Mm. And uh, what I found was just a bunch of people, like real people with all sinners. the same yeah. bunch of sinners needing Jesus. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the hurt that goes with that. And yeah. The, you know, the psychological traumas of their childhood and the repeating and projecting of all these things that people have in their lives. And so I wasn't ready for that. And it threw me, threw me hard. And mm -hmm. I started to question what did I do? What was my experience? How do I really know that God exists? Uh, why do I say I trust the Bible? Maybe this is just all made up. And I just, I started looking for answers to those questions. Yeah. And as I found them, I found myself in a field called apologetics, which I didn't know was a thing. <laughs> and uh, ultimately- it sounds like apology. Tell us what apologetics oh, is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great question. Uh, so that's, we have taken a Greek, a Koine Greek word out of the New Testament, apologia, and it means a defense. So, uh, or to make a case. So you're, we used to call lawyers apologists because they make a case. 
either for something or, you know, to a case against the objections. And uh, so that's what apol apology is, is making a case. It's not saying I'm sorry. I mean, it is, but not always. In this yeah. instance, it's making a case. And that's out of 1 Peter 3.15, if you want to look up that word. Um, it says, always be prepared to give uh, the defense, a defense of the reason of your hope, you know, the resurrected Jesus. So, you, you know, you can find that in there. Um, so anyway, I became uh, involved with apologetics, started my own classes at church, like, hey, if I have these questions, other people do. Then I found a degree in apologetics. I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And eventually a ministry and my professorship came out of all that. And you're going to keep going. Yeah, you're going to yes. keep going and studying more. I'm intrigued. I think it's a very interesting PhD. <laughs> I could tell you a little. Yeah, tell a, little. a little. I just I know it's not really what we're talking about, but I think it's super interesting. Yeah. So I actually my ministry got started because I met um, two gentlemen who really pushed me towards ministry, uh, Nabil Kreshi and David Wood, and they were involved in ministry to Muslims. And so that's the first like entry into my PhD subject was engaging Muslims in their um, theology and their philosophy. So what I'm doing now is I'm in the field of Islamic epistemology. Um, so epistemology. That's a mouthful. Yeah. yeah it's like, is that, are you looking at people's feet? Are you, is it skin related? <laughs> what is that? What's she saying? Yeah. It's the theory of knowledge. So epistemology has to do with how we know what we know. And in uh, the Islamic world, there's some questions that I'm trying to answer, which is, um, how do you know that you have certainty of what you believe? Or how do you get to your uh, sort of a certainty of knowledge? Or can you? And what has been the traditional background in Muslim, you know, in this, the Muslim philosophy of what is certainty of belief and how do we know it? And the thing that was sort of interesting to me that I found is that they very much think that the West, not all Muslims. Okay. So I don't want to just stereotype yeah, yeah, everybody. Right. Just like they're not all Christians. Just not right. All. Yeah. The, the, the group that I'm dealing with, the people and the project that I'm dealing with believes that the West has greatly damaged our ability to know through its radical skepticism, the project of radical skepticism. And so they have a different way of looking at how we come to know things for certain in it. It has to do with human flourishing and happiness. And so I'm looking into that question. I'm forming my question right now and presenting it this semester for um, approval. Okay. So everyone stay tuned. Stay tuned <laughs> for Mary Jo. Just, you, just, you keep becoming. And so I'm thrilled for you. And Thank you. to me, it's really inspiring because you have a 28-year-old. I do. Yeah. And you're getting, I mean, y'all, you're just getting started. Like, don't feel like you got to cram it all in when they're five years old. You're living this whole life as a mom. That's I'm like about to tear up. Like it's super inspiring that you are heading in, getting your PhD um, with your daughter, an adult now. I think that's so cool. So cool. Ah, thank you. So thank you. you have a daughter that you've raised and you were saying like, you've done a lot of things to help that relationship. Even this project you're a part of questions I was getting, well, how do we guide our teens when it comes to faith and Really, I mean, I think you start there. Like, we want them to have this faith. What, what did you put into place with your own daughter? What do you feel as you studied more about the Christian faith? What, what could parents do to build that? Before we start talking about the, when they're asking questions, but like, what leads into that? Yeah, I'll give you sort of what my my daughter's spoken with me uh, on stage, and she talks about how 
what really inspired her to become a person who investigated her own beliefs and you know got started to look at the answers you know for why does she believe what she does it was seeing her parents go through that same thing and being on that journey with us so when i started deeply looking into my faith and you know thinking on that that sort of comes out of you cuz that's what you're thinking on so you know you're sitting around the table at dinner and you're thinking like hey i i found this really cool argument today and i'm wondering if it's got merit or whatever and so she's there and she's listening to me explore my faith and explore the questions that I have. And since parents are still the, the biggest influencers on a child's religious views, uh, it's really important that the child sees the parent engaging in the you know education of their own beliefs and their faith. I, I think that's one of like your own, I would say your own transforming self is like the best thing that you can bring to your kids. Because uh, that that'll speak volumes to them about how you value Christian education, the life of the mind, exploring the hard questions, and they'll see that it is safe to bring these to you. That you're the kind of person that they should come to with their questions, and that's really what we want. So, um, yeah, that's I would say that's the biggest thing you can do is be a person who is transforming yourself. Yeah, this goes beyond like I need to make sure I find the perfect family devotional. And everyone sits around the table and is quiet while I <laughs> expose, you know, you know, exegese the scripture perfectly. And yes. no, this is no, not about that. being perfect in your faith and doing it perfectly. This is about being messy and living it out. And I even think some moms, you know, with quote unquote quiet time or Bible study, they'll put it on pause on it because they are tending to their kids and life is so consuming. But it's okay to include them in that and do it in front of them. Even if I think person, <laughs> even if they're watching TV, like if they see that you're choosing to study and learn more about this God that you are professing to believe in great, great, not making them the priority over that study, you know? Yeah. Modeling it. Like you're saying like that, making it a priority and not doing it perfectly and asking questions and bringing those questions up at dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I love what you said. It's not about finding the perfect Bible study. I mean, there's lots of stuff you can study out there. A lot of what I did was I would look at what my daughter was required to read for school hmm. and I would read it with her. And then we would discuss the biblical illusion or the truths that were the author was trying to bring out. Even if the author doesn't agree with us uh, as far as the Christian faith or the bi biblical ethics, you could draw that out from what was already going on and talk about it. So I did, instead of, you know, making her have to do something else on top of like, especially in high school when her schedule just got insane, yeah. I would use the material that she was learning already and read it like Jane Eyre. I read with her and we read Pride and Prejudice together and some other of, of her works. And now there's, there's a gal that just wrote a Christian commentary on those books. Oh, that's fabulous. And I'm forgetting her name. I'll put the link in the show notes. She used to be a professor at Liberty. She's no longer, but her name's escaping me. She's fantastic. You would think she's great. Anyway, but that's that's a great, simple thing. Like read the books with your kids, your teens, and have conversations about them. Yeah. I mean, it's always good to have Bible studies. I'm not knocking that either. Um, or books on apologetics. There's great stuff out there, but also read what they're required to read and be a part of their life where they're at. Yeah, that's really good. I have found my new favorite option for helping with 
consistent adult breakouts that I have. Yes, I'm 45. And yes, I still get acne. But with Glad Skin, I have found the thing that works for me. And if you have the same situation with your skin, I wanted to introduce you to the sponsor Glad Skin because it's a new category of skin blemish treatment. It works differently than any plant-based or drug-based product because it's based on the nature of healthy skin. So inflammatory blemishes and acne-prone skin can be caused by this imbalance in your skin's microbiome. So Glad Skin developed this revolutionary protein called a micro balance. I want to get it right. Micro balance to restore the natural balance of the good and the bad bacteria that live on your skin. And because it doesn't have harsh ingredients, it's really gentle from the first day you use it. It's been helping people in Europe for years, and now it's available in the U.S., and there's a 60-day guarantee. So right now, Gladskin is offering our listeners 15% off plus free shipping on your first order at gladskin.com DMA. That's gladskin.com DMA for 15% off plus free shipping. Gladskin.com slash DMA. Okay, so then there is a normal developmental questioning that happens for all teens. So if your teen is questioning, am I correct? This is not abnormal. Yeah, this is normal. That's what we're trying to say in the, the dark room series. Okay. Doubt yes. is, so doubt is normal. <laughs> doubt is normal. So they created this series. I've showed my boys their videos. That's what seven. It was it 10 minutes every time or seven to 10 minutes, seven to 10. Yeah. And they're so well done y'all. It's captivating for our, <laughs> this generation that is looking at TikTok videos that are like 15 seconds and as a move quickly in the imagery is moving quickly and the story is propelling quickly. It's not this boring video, but the big point is they're saying the questions that you're not supposed to say out loud, right? You're not supposed to admit to. So talk to us about that teen stage of questions and doubt. Yeah. So a couple of things I'll talk about kind of like where we got ours from and then what it is they're asking. So the, this, we did like a casting call for Gen Z stories. So these are like, our videos are all based on real stories from students who are struggling with the issue in that video. And a lot of times the framing of the issue is directly from their own words. Hmm. So that's one of the things that was really important to us. Cause it, I'm a Gen Xer and it'd be like, well, I mean, <laughs> I can get, I can look at studies and guess what they're dealing with, but it's really nice to have it from their own uh, way of seeing the world in their own language. Cause they even have changed, like language has shifted a bit for them. So it's different from how I would say it. So that was one thing, but they are, yeah, they're really asking the hard questions, especially due to the cultural influence of the last hundred years about love and identity and purpose and Uh, especially the purpose of the church. Is it even relevant anymore? Should you be a part of a community? Is the church toxic now? You know, like they're they're asking all these kinds of questions. So uh, that's like sort of the the stage that they're on is purpose, identity, um, what is love, um, all of these kinds of big questions of life. And what's the purpose of church? They're really Mm -hmm. questioning church and they keep seeing big leaders fail in big ways. And so now they're like, well, should I even belong? Is it even responsible? or a good thing for me to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I know adults too. 
<laughs> asking <Yeah>. these questions. <laughs> Absolutely. <Okay. laughs> so if a parent is like nodding their head right now, listening, like, yeah, my kid, we've had these conversations. What do we do? How do we respond? Do we freak out? Is freaking out the right <laughs> response? <laughs> it's actually a really big question, right? Yeah, um, right. Because there's so many avenues that we are paths that we need to take. And like we as adults are dealing with all of our background issues in our own life. And uh, it's, so it's hard to handle like the one right in front of us because we tend to project whatever our issues are onto our kids. And uh, that's that's problematic. We need to create like an environment where the kids feel like they can explore this safely. Uh, so we need to pay attention to the sort of educational environment we're, we're creating in the home. And I think that would, uh, that's a big help. I think it's a really big help to the kids is, can I explore or will mom and dad explore with me? Or is mom and dad going to shut the conversation down and say, no, that's, that's an area we don't go to. Uh, and then that's just the way it is. So they need to know that you guys are the place, the go-to place. And that's really hard. I know I'm asking a huge ask of parents because we have to deal with ourselves. We're not always comfortable with some of these things and we have different views yeah. on some of them. Sometimes you have to be willing to let your kid, you know, go through their view and experiment, not experiment in a bad way, folks, just <laughs> thought, thought, life thought and say, yeah, 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 thought and uh, throw things at you without you being offended or, you know. And then we have to be informed to be able to work through these things with our kids. So that's like with the dark room series, we provided lots of resources. There's a leader guide, you know, for youth ministers that want to use this with their group. But if you're just a parent with a kid watching the videos, then the guide is for you. It has tons of resources. Maybe you don't have any background in dealing with these things. Well, we have experts that have. And so you can go look at, we didn't just include a leader guide. We included external resources so you can go watch podcasts and videos. And um, so you can help them work through the thought experiments. <laughs> Just want to say that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I think going back to creating that educational environment and at your home, I think that's really huge on any topic. I think yeah. to a guest I've had on who helps parents talk to their kids about sex, you know, <laughs> and so anytime, a, you know, we're terrified, they're going to ask a question, but even if it's a, like a simpler one, like, how's that baby going to get out of there? They see a pregnant mom. <laughs> you can respond with like this look of like happy expression. And I'm so glad you asked. And it's just an, an invitation of I am okay. And if I don't know, let's go figure it out together. Just like if you were reading a book and you got to a vocabulary word with your kids and like, I don't know, count of Monte Cristo sitting right here. And you're like, look, you're like, I don't even know what that is. That's very cultural. And we don't use that object anymore. Let's look it up. You're just researching together. That I think that's really huge. And that's something you can do from the young years. That feels like you have to kind of start yeah. in the young years to establish that I I know what I'm doing. I know where to find the answers and your questions aren't too much for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's really important. A lot of parents worry that kids are getting influenced by this and that and the other thing. And they are, but at the same time, so were you. <laughs> so it's okay. And yeah, if you just, if you help them work through things like, well, what did you hear? Or what are you thinking about? And being, you know, one of the things that was so helpful for my daughter and I was that I was genuinely interested in her life. Mm. 
instead of going, oh yeah, you're a kid and someday you'll be an adult and out of the house and all that. What do I have to deal with here today? Yeah. Instead of that, it was more like, well, what are you doing? What, what are your concerns? Where are you at? When she felt like I was genuinely interested in her life, she's a yeah. little bit more willing to open up with her struggles, you know, and what she's having to deal with. Okay. So creating this educational environment, being genuinely interested, these are great tips. What do you do? Like some of the parents were asking when it comes to brass tacks of, do I force them to go to church with us? Or do I force them to have time and God's word or quiet time or force them to join us? And like you in that language, talk to me about your thoughts on that question. Yeah. So as an educator, <laughs> the term force is really tough for me Yeah, um, because like we do require students to go to school in the United States. Otherwise they're truant, right? That's, you could almost say that's a forcing. Um, but what we want to do instead is get at the root of why are they not interested in this? Why mm. don't they want to go to church? There's usually a reason why they are not interested in it. And it could be that they are made fun of at church, that they don't feel like they have a place in the church, that they're an outcast or that they're on the fringe. There's lots of things going on in that dynamic. Um, my daughter was the daughter of a worship minister and so she was always on display for everybody. Uh, and everybody always had a critique of who she was, what she was doing, who she was talking to, what she was wearing. That's a lot of pressure for a kid. Yeah. Um, so I always told myself, like, if she doesn't want to go, there's there's going to be like plenty of reasons why that we have to work through. Um, and so I always told her, don't go for any of that. Go because, you know, we're going to worship God together as a family. And this is a special privilege that we have. Um, and we won't have it forever because you'll grow up and we won't have this time together. Uh, so I always tried to flip the script on that and um, get to the root of what what's at the base of not wanting to be a part of these spiritual things and meaningful things in our life, the, the ultimate things and sort of, yeah, flip the script that way and see what's going on rather than saying how, you know, should I force my kid to go or not? Well, how about let's look at the root of the problem of why they don't want to be there to begin with and then mm -hmm. working on that issue. And it's not always going to work out. And so I think we, you and I were talking earlier about, you had a great, great language on this from another author or speaker about, you know, of ultimately getting to the point of giving over control um, in um, areas. Yeah. With um, Ken Wilgus. Yeah. That it's the feeding the mouth, I always get it wrong, feeding the mouth that bites you, that you're basically <laughs> emancipating different choices and freedoms. And maybe you talk about, Hey, when you're 17 and you can drive, we'll emancipate the church. We, we still as a family believe church is important, but we'll let you choose where you worship. And we would prefer to worship as a family, but we also want you to own your faith. I feel like my parents gave me that freedom when I started driving. And I think it when I went to college, then I chose to go to church because I'd already experienced that a little bit of freedom while I was home. That yeah. if I preferred a different congregational experience, I was allowed to, as long as I still chose to go to church. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's tough. Some people will say, well, not every kid's like that. And it'll be yeah. like, yeah, that's yep. true. And at some point you have to understand that human beings have their own free will. They're able yep. to do what they're, I mean, they can do what they want and there's a, an element of we can help them, we can influence them, we can discuss with them, but we can't just get into their mind and just change it, you know? Yeah. So 
we there is an element of saying I have to give uh, God trust over this human being's life uh, ultimately, and then I'm there to be utilized to help them in life, to be an influencer, to be somebody they can rely on. But I am not there to, and there's no way I can force any kind of relationship here. A good example though, and a good example would be setting the example of we go to church. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what we do in our family. So that's the language is difficult when they say, should I force my kid to go to church? It's like, well, get at the root of the problem. Why is your kid so unamiable to that idea of going to church? What's there? Really dig through that with them. Maybe that'll help. Okay. This, I mean, this is not easy, y'all. No. I'm finding in 2022, everything is more and more expensive. And so I wanted to help you out in one area by helping you save money on organic groceries and household goods. And that's with Thrive Market. You're going to find you can shop anything from healthy pantry essentials. I just reordered my vanilla 44% off to your sustainable meat and seafood, non-toxic cleaning supplies, beauty products. I just ordered some more exfoliant from a cure, their brightening facial scrub. And they are all delivered right to my door. So with Thrive Market, I know that they're going to carefully vet every product they have so that you can trust that if it's there, it's going to be the best. And if you want to save on what matters most to you, that's really easy with their search option. You're going to find they have over 5,000 different food, home, beauty products, and you can just look. If you want plant-based, you can search for that. Keto, gluten-free, zero waste, whatever it is, whatever matters to you, go search for it. And when you buy, you're going to find that you're going to save that time and that gas because you're not going to have to take the extra trip to another store to just finish buying things on your list. And best of all, if you find a lower price anywhere, Thrive Market is going to match it. So join Thrive Market today, get $880 in free groceries. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash DMA to get $80 in free groceries. Thrivemarket.com slash DMA. That's thrivemarket.com slash DMA. When you are looking to get better at something to improve, look for the improvements that build on themselves. Like hiring for your business, you can get better at hiring and then hire great people faster and then your business grows and you keep on hiring. So how do you get better at hiring? Well, you can do that with Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract interview and hire all in one place. You're not going to spend hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills. They are a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. You're going to find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, their assessments, and their virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description. So the moment you sponsor a job, that happens according to Indeed data in the US. Now, one of the things I think is great about Indeed is it helps your star applicants shine because you have these 135 different assessment tests to help figure out what skills and wiring your candidates have. If you want to start hiring now, you can get $75 in sponsored job credits to upgrade your job post if you go to indeed.com slash DMA. 
That offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed, I-N-D-E-E-D, dot com slash D-M-A. Indeed, dot com slash D-M-A. Terms and conditions apply. If you need a hire, you need Indeed. We're no. admitting this is not easy. And you alluded to this. There's a lot of influence happening. And one of your videos starts, I thought was so great. It was the video on doubt and it was somebody doubting because they saw a YouTube video, which I was like, that is a more common story than you can. Like that is so common. TikTok videos or YouTube videos where the concept of converting away from Christianity is presented. And they're like, wait, what? This is an option. And so, whereas you might've been in a town, a small town before, or just your little community, and they weren't presented with these ideas until they got to maybe a large university that's happening younger and younger, these ideas. So I thought how that video handled doubt and defined doubt and unbelief was really great. And I don't know if you want to give a little teaser or a little talk us through that for parents, but I thought that was helpful. Yeah. It it took a view of doubt as more of growing up. Doubt was more of like, you're starting to get these bigger questions that you don't have answers for. And so instead, and there's this visual or there's a story he tells about being in a tunnel and uh, you, at some point in your walk with Christ, you kind of leave that like warm um, light of like the, all the authorities in your life and the parents that help you and the teachers. And so then at a certain point, it can feel very dark, like you're loosed from the light on both sides. And the story says like, but you need it at that point, we need to help kids understand, keep going, keep searching because there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that I think is a good image for um, what kids are dealing with. Uh, There's another image in one of the other episodes, uh, episode seven, which is the kid who's struggling to even want to live and he finds his purpose through um, photography. So we have this image of him in the dark room, the photographic dark room, where the image of his life is developing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes through the dark struggles of life, sometimes through these things that are very painful, or even through what we perceive as painful or suffering, our own suffering can bring about these um, more revelatory images in our life of what we're doing here and, and what our purpose is or the purpose of that God made you and that he intended for you to be made. And so you already have purpose. So there's, there's some things that like they will help them that are in both of those videos deal with like the difference between unbelief and doubt. Unbelief is you don't believe, right? Doubt is I believe, but I don't know maybe why, or I don't have the reasoning. So they make a contrast and then they deal with some of the pain and suffering and the things that caused doubt that go with it. Yeah. The man on the moon, like you could maybe have some doubts, like, was it filmed in a studio? And then there's like straight up, like, I do not believe man went to the moon, you know, like there's a questioning versus a, I just don't even buy it. Yeah. There you go. That's a good way. I went off on a long one, but that's no, a good I liked to- yours too. I think <laughs> all of that, like the purpose, the questioning, all that, especially the teens that have a big chunk of their experience has been disrupted by a global pandemic. I think we're going to have unique questioning and doubt associated because I think every human being had their belief system disrupted. Um, belief in authority, belief in control, belief, a lot of 
things that we thought were certain weren't. And so it makes sense if they're already in that season developmentally, that it's double. They're seeing their parents lose their footing. They're seeing, you know, yeah, suffering and a lot of division. Anyway, conflict that. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. And what you're saying, they're dealing with a lot that maybe eighties kids didn't have to deal with. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, You know, so Mm -hmm. it's very different. And, uh, I, um, yeah, I like what you said, lose their footing. And I think that's what you are seeing a bit of, especially with the internet. There's so much information out there. They don't know where to set down their identity, where to set down, you know, roots and that, that, hundred years of stressing the autonomy of the individual has this other effect of uh, loosing you from your footing so that you feel like you're floating. You don't know who you are or where you belong or, and and that's one of the effects of the, yeah, of holding autonomy of the individuals, like one of the highest goods. Now everybody's an Island unto themselves and they don't know where they belong or who they are. And so the pandemic actually even further, um, isolated people and made it yeah, even harder to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Finding their belonging, finding their, their foothold. And y'all had beyond just your insight into the script writing and apologetics, you had other contributors into this project, share a little bit about them. I mean, it's a long list, but they may be good resources too. Like you said, there are resources with the darkroom curriculum, but point parents so maybe they could get even more connected with some people. Sure. So we had um, expert contributors. That's what you're referencing, like uh, Rebecca McLaughlin, who wrote a book, Confronting Christianity. And a lot of youth groups that I know, especially up here in the Northwest, are using that as uh, youth group materials. Uh, So Confronting Christianity. And she has a book, 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, And then we have Sean McDowell, who has been, he's known for his youth apologetics ministry and his father being Josh McDowell, who's one of our apologists of old, but still around doing apologetics. So crazy. Sean and I were in the same summit group in Colorado Springs. It's like this worldview program that teens go through before they head into college. And he and I were in the same group and our dads were friends. And now oh. he's like gone off and done all this stuff. His personality is so unique from Josh, but he's right where he yeah. belongs as far as this generation and yeah, tackling these topics. Even weirder, I'm a summit ministries teacher. So I do stop <laughs> tracking. You know exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been teaching there for several years. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. yeah. I did Especially at, at Manitou Springs, the, uh, oh, yeah. the OG. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, so, so Sean McDowell, great. Uh, that's a really neat story. Uh, and then we have like Rachel Gilson, who she deals with same-sex attraction. Uh, she wrote a book called Born Again This Way, coming out, coming to faith. And that, that's, that's going to be very helpful. Then we have Adam Coleman, who's the president of True Idea Apologetics Ministry, and he's a contributor to urban apologetics, restoring black dignity with the gospel. So he he's written some of our work on like justice. And um, I think I'm, try, I'm having troubles remembering which other one he did for us. But when I say wrote, he, these are these are the, con, the expert contributors. So we have screenwriters who are using the narratives from the students. Then we have to try to provide some answers. So these are the answers, the people who give answers. Um, those are just a few of our, our people yeah, that's that have done some really yeah. great work. We'll connect all those in the show notes too. So if y'all are one of those popped up and you're like, oh my gosh, I really need help on that. 
that they would definitely have resources. There's so many amazing people doing great work right now, but connecting the parent who's just feeling very alone in their struggle with that resource is, is what my hope is. And, and to really, honestly, all the amount of questions I got on this topic, you are not the only one. And I know it's hard. And I know if your child is struggling with any of these things, mental health or faith or identity, um, this is, this is really, this is real. And I just hope that if anything, you know, that there are other moms out there and that maybe you would just pray that God would intersect your path with one of them because he can do that. He can do that. You will find each other. And he's okay with where you're at. Yeah. So you and I are talking about all the ideals and like, realistically, you would do this. Well, and not realistically, idealistically, yeah, yeah, idealistically yeah. make this great environment, be transforming yourself. What we're trying to give you the ideals, uh, realistically, it's okay to hold intention that you're not there yet. Or you did all those things and this still, yeah. you, you provided that environment, you modeled a great faith and still your child is having a hard time. And yeah you didn't do something wrong because of that. Right. And that's important for people to give themselves space um, because raising a human being is probably the hardest thing you'll ever do. No one's got it figured out. (laughs) If they say they do, they're lying. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Lying. Well, I appreciate you. I, we, I'm so excited about these videos. I'm a big fan of movies and creative work, and these are very well done. So Thank you for your part in creating them. Oh, yeah. Thank you uh, for talking about the Darkroom Project. I, I really hope it's helpful to parents and their kids, as well as to youth ministries. And remember, it comes with a full curriculum that is free. I mean, all of this has been offered free. You just enter in your, you go to darkroomfaith.com, enter in your email, and you get all the materials for free. And that's, we just really have a heart for Gen Z and for the people who are struggling to handle their their issues, their culture. and what, what matters to them. So please go and, and use, check out our videos and use the material yeah. uh, with, with your family, with your ministries. Yeah. This could be a great, like fall thing to do 14 episodes. It's perfect to get us, you know, grounded as we enter a new school year. So yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Mary Jo really have loved getting to know you a little bit more. And I hope we can talk again soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. Okay. So maybe you are still feeling like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do to help my child. Well, I wanted to introduce you to something I learned about this weekend. So if you've known about the Chosen TV series, it's the stories of Jesus told in a unique way as he encounters those he chooses to encounter and their perspective and their experience called The Chosen. There's an app you can watch season one and two for free. Well, they did this special documentary where they brought in nine strangers from Gen Z and they told them that they would be watching a show, but they did not tell them what the show was. They didn't tell them anything more, but they just said it's really become popular with Gen Z. It's a global success and we want to know more about why. So even if you hate it, we just want to hear your thoughts on this show. A lot of these nine strangers had some backstory or challenges in the faith. One guy was a part of a Christian cult. Um, There was some abuse and trauma in some of their stories. Many of them had walked away from their faith. And this documentary goes through their stories and 
how the show healed them, how they met Jesus through these episodes. It's super inspiring. It's called Unfiltered. You can find it on the Chosen app. I've watched it. It's really, really good. I don't know that younger kids, there's, you know, heavy, hard stuff in it. Maybe watch it first if you're concerned about your teen, but it's really good, y'all. And if you've never watched The Chosen, you should because it's really good as well. All right, I'm going to pray for us and pray for this next generation. Lord, I know your heart is desiring for this next generation to know you, to believe that you are for them, that they are loved by you, and that you have purpose for them in this world, and that you have come in Jesus to save them, that that is true and real. And I pray, Lord, that they would, um, that the Holy Spirit would move them. I pray for the moms represented listening here, that you would give them a supernatural spirit of peace right now, that you understand their grief, that you grieve with them, that your desire is for all to know you and to turn to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring helpers, that you would intercede in these stories and draw their souls to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Men. Thanks you all for listening today. I really appreciate it. Next week, I'm bringing on Jennifer Pepito. We are going to talk about all the mom fears, right? And a really practical thing you can do to overcome them. It may not be what you're thinking. All right. I'll see you back here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3:17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.